Hi everyone, welcome back for another live with the IBD Hub. Uh, I'm Julia DeMauro, the founder of the IBD Hub. Uh, we teach architects and engineers uh, to expand uh, their businesses and find new projects, whether it's nationally or internationally. And today we have a great guest. Um, that is going to join us, which I will introduce to you in a moment. Um, I just wanted to follow up since last time that uh, I did the live. Uh, we still have a few spots left for um, uh, the coaching on digital business development. Uh, so we're looking forward to uh, know if anybody wants to join, please DM me on LinkedIn directly. Uh, we have five spots left for this month, so it would be great to fill them in. So today we are going to talk about um, how to speed up the design process and how to have uh, a, great, a great teamwork within um, an architecture design uh, process. So I guess it's Christian Moldovar. Um, he's the host of the anatomy of conflict show um which is a podcast uh, that i'm inviting you to follow um and uh his task is he's a coach to improve communication and conflict negotiation hi Hello. christian how are you today glad to see you um, yeah thank you so I was much expecting for this. yeah <laughs> thank you so time. much for joining us today I'm kind um, of do you want you? to maybe um, give a little? Yeah, is it better now? I think yes, yes. Okay, great. Um, yeah, tell us a little bit more about yourself and what your purpose is with your company, um, and what you're trying to do at the moment. Thank you. Thank you for uh, inviting me. I'm super excited to be here, and if I can. Um, give something from uh, my experience to your audience so they can build their businesses quicker, faster, and in a more sustainable way. That's, um, that's my pleasure to be here. So I am a relationship strategist. And basically, uh, that means I go where uh, there are business relationships, usually, and they're not working pretty well. So I'm, I'm jumping into helping businesses to, like, finding the dynamics between people so the business can actually expand and grow in a healthy way. Interpersonal Sorry, conflicts. Are... <laughs> Sorry, I think uh, the connection went off. So uh, I think people didn't uh, fully understand what your purpose was. I think it, we were off for about a minute. <laughs> so... uh, to me, it, it sounded like a, a, it, it was ongoing, so I kept speaking. I, I, help, right. I hope it's it's fine okay. i can check that on another device if you want that <laughs> sound let's see are we yeah it, it seems to be pretty pretty good it's like a little bit delayed all right so all right sorry don't don't worry don't worry it's okay so basically um uh interpersonal conflicts in especially in early stage companies is one of the biggest factors that makes a company fail and this usually results in, in uh, like the interpersonal conflicts usually result into a huge amount of frustration. 
And basically, uh, especially in a very creative uh, world, like uh, for architects where everybody is contributing and, and they have a lot of creative ideas and they want to leave a mark, uh, the artistic side and, and the creative side of them, which is extremely important, uh, can cause sometimes to, for people to go head to head. Um, yeah. They waste a lot of time, energy and, and resources in uh, just trying to make a balance between between yeah. the people and this kind of little conflicts because it, it doesn't have to be like a huge argument it doesn't have to be something um like explosive the little things can compound over time and people yeah. build up frustration and that is taking especially the entrepreneur from the point like i'm starting my own business and i'm gonna do this and i'm gonna build this amazing business that i have the vision for to thinking yeah. like maybe starting a business was not the best idea. Yeah. <laughs> and this is a big, big thing because um, in the before the 10th year, 90% of uh, newly uh, started companies fail. And in the first year is more than 20%, which yeah. the odds to be like two out of 10, it, it's pretty bad for one year, basically. Yeah. So that, that shouldn't happen, basically. Because I know working with people can look really hard sometimes, and I, I totally get that. But because the good professionals, especially um, when we're talking about an architect that mm -hmm. has been working in another company, and they had like all the systems from that company put together, they only had to deliver on on the on their professional skills. Yeah. But on the other side, and when you start your own business. Uh, just the professional skills are not enough because you also need the business skills and you need the people skills. And every business yeah. in the world is a people business. Otherwise, you're alone. You're a solopreneur. That's yeah. also okay. But if you want to scale up and, and get that team together, you need to improve on the uh, interpersonal skills like communication. Mm -hmm. So that's that can make it because it shouldn't it shouldn't be that way for 90% of the companies not to make it to the 10th year. That yeah. shouldn't be, it, it's not right. Yeah, it's about the soft skills. Uh, so no one can teach, well, except from you, no one can teach you that. It's not something natural um, to get if you don't have them. I just wanted to give you a little bit of context for the architects. So usually the architects that we have um, are either, either have a problem with ego, um, either have uh, a problem with not seeing their worth. Um, so it's a little bit, you know, it can go two ways. Uh, of course, there are some people that, that you know, uh, are in between. Um, but these are the two types that, that we have. And, uh, okay. of course, like, the ego of the architect is quite tough because it's creates a lot of tension in the in the team in the design team um, and uh, decisions are not necessarily rational they're more like based on who came up with which idea um, so I would love to have your input on the ego part and then also on the people that you know are less lucky and um, you know we don't see the value within themselves and how to lead um in their practice 
That's a great question. And thank you for bringing ego up. I, I really love when we can get straight into the, into the core problem. Basically, we all have ego. So um, there is this uh, conversation out in the world like, oh, that's an uh, uh, ego-driven person. That's egotistic. I don't have an ego. That's complete, complete BS. It's, there's no such a thing. Everybody <laughs> has ego. That we need to yeah. settle that once and for all. Everybody has ego and that's okay. Yeah. On the other hand, however, we live in a world where everybody needs to be heard, but there's no one to listen. And if you, let's say you have a, a small team in your business, you will lead that team the moment when you start listening to the team members. Everybody thinks leadership is all about pointing the direction, follow me soldiers into the battle. Actually, no, that's one way to do it and one yeah. aspect of it. Vision and direction and clarity are very important. But on yeah. the other hand, if those people say like, um, yeah, you go ahead, I'll, I'll catch you up. I'll, some. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> if you yeah. if you have that kind of dynamics with your team and they don't believe in that, how can you make it? And when when entrepreneurs start to impose their ego into uh, in the team's life and the team dynamic, there's usually resistance. And when yeah. ego and resistance meet, we have a match. <laughs> yeah. it, people start to uh, put. They make this is you know we used to do this uh, when we were kids when someone had a toy someone brought a bigger nicer toy and mm -hmm. if someone told a joke in the school someone came like my joke is better hear this joke and it's always a contest like who's better who's better yeah. and this is happening a lot in the creative field like I'm having this idea for a project like oh that idea is it's okay but listen to my idea yeah and when that is happening basically people. Not only that they don't validate ideas, they go head to head because they want to be validated and they want to be heard. Yeah. And when you, if you are the entrepreneur, if you are the project lead, that's fine. And someone comes to you like, hey, this is my idea. Instead of saying, well, that's a great idea. Uh, let me tell you about my idea. Yeah. Say, Great, you, you got an idea, tell me more about it. I wanna hear about it, tell me yeah. more. Be curious, show a little bit of empathy, listen to their uh, idea. Maybe they invested a lot of time, maybe they invested a lot of effort. So mm -hmm. even if it's a bad idea, treat that person with respect. And when you treat yeah. the person with respect, they will come back with respect to you, number one. And number two, if they realize the idea, even if it's a good idea, it does not fit into the project, they will back off with their own idea because they realize it doesn't fit. Wonderful. Otherwise, if you just oppose them, they will just push harder. They're gonna try to debate you and convince you that yeah. their idea is really good. And you're like, no, it's not working. But it, no, my idea is so good. You can, <laughs> you need to, you need to, you don't see it, you don't understand it. Yeah. And this line, you don't understand it, is one of the biggest conflict starters in in any company. Because yeah. when you say you don't understand, the other person is like, oh, so you think I'm stupid. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, from there, it, it escalates. I mean, yes. I've I've been in in some situations, well, when I used to work for a company where 
um, the the client and the architect were not had a had both an ego and uh, they were arguing about the design over and over again and basically the meeting ended with the client leaving because the architect was on the floor trying to draw his stuff and decided he didn't want to listen to the client. <laughs> so like he was just like sketching on the floor for another project and was like, yeah, I'm not talking to you until you take my idea. I'm not going to talk to you. So this is like, okay. of course, it's a hardcore situation, but it kind of happened quite often um, in her field to have um, people that are not empathetic or that are not really trying to understand what where people are coming from right so so that's a little bit um you know the 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 challenge here we have a question from james gay what are your general thoughts about digital leadership and how small practices in their infancy grow usually social media platform right this is a little bit out of the topic for now, but uh, if it, do you have an uh, an idea of a uh, of an answer for this one? Yeah, actually, yes. Um, I'm I'm not a um, social media specialist to give advice on how to grow your practice over uh, digital platforms, but digital leadership, well, that's another thing. <laughs> no, digital leadership is exactly like the mobile phone. Just because we have the freedom to move while we speak, it doesn't mean the conversation is different. Basically, if you have a conversation face-to-face -face with someone, you have the topic, you have the words, you have the attitude, you, the passion and energy you put into that conversation, but you can have exactly the same conversation when you're over a wireful landline or when you're on a mobile phone or you're in, in a video face-to-face uh, -face kind of conversation. So basically, yeah. Digital, in this case, is just a medium, but people are still people. And uh, there is this conversation out in, in, in the world, in, in the business environment, that uh, leadership digitally is fundamentally different than working remotely and, and having this uh, approach of being very separate and, and leading, leading the teams through uh, digital uh, platforms or environments it's very important to understand that people dynamics are people dynamics and when you get yeah. good with people skills is just like switching from uh sending an email to going over a phone it's two different mediums but the core thing is the same you gotta understand people yeah. you, you gotta be able to listen properly and this is probably one of the biggest issues and one of the biggest risks in business uh, when someone wants to start a business if they're a poor listener they will not be able to listen to their customer that yeah. means they lose business and also it means they are not able to listen to their uh, employees to their team that means they're going to lose structure and predictability so that's a very very important thing here yeah you're right and and also to grow um a business online it's also about um becoming the expert and really pinpointing what problem you're trying to solve for the client because often architects forget um that we are here to to serve um 
uh, a client and we're just we're not just here just to design so all the posts that you make whether it's on linkedin or instagram try to position yourself as an expert that is trying to solve an issue for a client and explain how do you go about it um to solve it uh i think that's that then becomes the leadership part on social media and um also a leadership digitally usually you need 10 times more energy also to come across the camera um like in a in a natural way so that's that's also a little part of it i think it is it is um great um guys if you have any questions please don't hesitate to comment and we'll take them uh, as as soon as it goes um so yeah for for the people that are um that, that don't value themselves um as much uh how can they succeed in business that's a very important question um because this is all about the thing that everybody knows by the name of the imposter syndrome yeah basically who am i to start an architecture business i'm just an employee i haven't done i don't have experience in business i'm not an entrepreneur and you know that kind of stuff yeah. i want to share with you uh, two very important uh, realities um if you are uh, in the audience and and anybody that's watching if you are this person that you don't value yourself enough or you feel like you're not the person to do the business because for any reason you think you don't have the skills experience the whatever the resources it doesn't matter you think you're not the person i want to ask you do you think the neurosurgeons are the person to perform a brain surgery <laughs> like these people know something right and they have studied something and they they put in years of school much like architects actually and yeah. there is a study that actually this research focused on what the neurosurgeons tell to themselves right before they get into the operation room it's so yeah. important to figure out that even these people that are highly highly trained highly trained are having doubts right before they get into the room and while they're washing their hands and and putting the gloves and preparing to get into the into the er basically they, they have these conversations with themselves and saying like there are doctors that are far better than i am i don't know if i'm going to make it uh, what if i'm going to fail this patient and this maybe this patient is going to die because i fail and they have this yeah. constant battle but then something happens they get into that operating room they perform the surgery it is a success and then life moves on so the question is if those people understand that whatever their inner dialogue is about am i able to do this they do it anyway yeah because maybe a neurosurgeon has i don't know the percentages but has a small percentage of um of surgeries that don't work yeah they, they did their best but still there is a huge percent of operations that actually succeed and they save people's lives and they make their lives better and things like that so it's important to know you're not the only one everybody yeah. has an imposter syndrome yeah, so the question true. is when is this surfacing like it's like the unexpected guest like oh you're here <laughs> yeah. so 
therefore, I want you to think of this imposter that lives inside you, which is also your inner critic. Uh, try to picture it as a separate person. Picture this inner critic or, or in, like, the imposter inside you telling you like, hey, you're an imposter. Uh, picture this person outside of you, outside of your body, and like it would be a real person. And try to understand what does this person want to say to you? Because yeah. basically what the this inner critic wants is for you to be safe. And this is very, very simple. Basically, if you have a voice in your head or you're thinking, you're gonna fail, you're not good enough, uh, this is not gonna work. It's just your inner self, this critic that is trying to, to tell you, hey, I'm worried that you're going to fail. And I wanna protect you from, being, uh, from going through fa failure. This is so important. When you understand this, that is just a form of protection that your body and brain work together in order for you to say, hey, this is dangerous. I don't want to do this. This might be very difficult. I don't want to get messy with this. You don't want to deal with the consequences if you fail and things like that. And in reality, this comes when you look forward to where you want to get. If you are an architect and want to develop your business, um, maybe to grow your business to the point where uh, you can ask for much bigger projects, much bigger fees. That's where this might come into the play because there's stake. And the question is, what if they figure out that I'm actually charging more than I'm worth? Well, yeah. this is because you are judging yourself with the brain that you would have at the point where you would be a legend already. Yeah. And you need to stop that because that's that's not healthy at all. You need to focus on what you have done until the present day and what yeah. you can do in a year. And most people in business, especially, um, they focus on the distance between where I am right now to where I wanna be and then they become frustrated because that distance doesn't seem to shorten in time. This yeah, is the yeah. big, big trap. That distance, like if I'm making 10 steps in my business, it's kind of like my objective, my target is moving 10 steps or 11 steps at the same time. And it's like eternally walking towards my goal and the goal is getting further and further away from me. And that's highly, highly frustrating. And you need to stop doing it like that. So. What can you do in order to measure your progress? Stop measuring your progress, comparing where you are to where you wanna be and start measuring your, your progress by looking, where have you been a year ago and where are you today? Because no, those really are facts. Those yeah. are facts and that will give you a lot of value and confidence. And when you take a look back one, two or three or five years, whatever, you'll see like, I did some pretty amazing stuff. Like yeah. I really, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. So yeah. I can now I can move to the next step and to do the next stage. It, it's really important to stop judging yourself for who you could be or you could have been already and you're not. It really doesn't matter. What it matters is what you did so far and who you are right now. And that's enough to give you the uh, impulse to move forward. And if you find like a block inside is not letting you step forward and, and make progress, then I really, really 
like strongly suggest you get a little bit of help, external help, someone that can advise you like a consultant, like a, a coach, like someone that can take you over that bridge because that's really important. Otherwise, it's going to cost you time, it's going to cost you money, and it's going to cost you energy. And when you when you run out of one of these, it's bad. But when you run out of all three, that's depression, that's burnout, that's where a lot of people that start businesses get because they did not know how to manage themselves in the business. And it's all yeah. about understanding emotions. Yeah, and you're so right. And I mean, I can definitely relate to that at the beginning of my career as well. Um, and I think that also part of the problem is that a lot of people compare themselves to others as well. Um, and, you know, I, I always remembered a quote from Steve Jobs that was saying, like, um, the person is not much smarter than you are. It's just like the way that they're able to, you know, sell the idea and how they're able to be confident that sells the idea in the end, more than just a, a fact of someone being smarter or better than you, because actually we're all pretty much this at the same level, right? Exactly. And before thinking of comparing your business with someone else's business, you need to think like this, that business, like the, your favorite architecture company in the world, your favorite one, like the Apple of architecture. And look at them and look at them really, really, really attentive, like pay attention <laughs> and go back in their history and see how they started. Because most likely they did not start with a yeah. hundred floor building and in the center of New York or somewhere in the world. No, they started probably in an office, on a table, um, whatever they could get their hands on, and they started and they implemented, and then they made progress. Yeah, yeah. But their success right. did not happen overnight at all. True. I have another question for you. I, I feel like we're getting excited. Thank you so much for all your knowledge that you're sharing today. I really appreciate it. Um, I have another serve. question. Yeah. Thank you. Um, I had a, lot, a lot of people asking me this as architects. So a lot of architects reach a point where they have um, projects of uh, work that they need to hire a team. Um, and they have a lot of problems to delegate. A lot of them tell me like, okay, but if I hire, then I have to, it costs me more time to explain things and to make sure that everything is done my way. And then in the end, like I, I, I'd rather do it by myself, right? Like, so yes, how can yes. you start de delegating um, in a good way? First of all, uh, whoever wants to start a team, they need to understand like the basic the fundamental thing about teams it's about patience that's really important when you if you are starting your business right now or you started you, you're working solo for a while but you have been an employee i want you to go back to when you first you when you got your first job what was the time since the day you got started in that business until you were on your own two feet Everybody goes through a period of training. Everybody goes into a period of accommodation, integrating into the team, understanding the dynamics between people, who wants what and who is who. This is really important. And when you want to build a team, 
you need to start thinking why you need to build that team. As long as you keep that picture in mind, you will know that you need, even if you need to be patient with a new employee, you will be because you don't build a team for the results the team can bring you at the moment you hire the person, but you build a team for actually the results that person can provide you in the next two or three or five years, or maybe 10 if you're a good leader and you know how to keep your people together in the same team. This is really important. And about delegation, this is another like misconception that a lot of people have. There are at least five levels of uh, responsibility when you, when you delegate something. And everybody expects to employ a person and then think of something and then see if they already do it. <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah. I was thinking of that idea. Why, why, why is it not done yet? <laughs> like, I don't have Wi-Fi. I'm sorry. That's not yeah. how people work. So yeah. you need to, in order to, to have a right team, it's right team means you need to hire for attitude and competency if that's, the, if that's a possibility. If not, if you need to pick between attitude and, and skills, pick attitude at any given point because the person with the right attitude is going to pick up the skills. The person with the good skills and the bad attitude is not never going to pick up the good attitude. Or not never, but it's going to be very, very, very difficult. Yeah. So therefore, hire people that are not like you. Number one. So if you hire someone that has exactly the same skills as you have and the same um, vision and, and attitude, most likely you're going to go head to head. But if you hire someone that can be complementary with you, um, I don't remember, there is an entrepreneur that said this, is a big shot guy always hire for your weaknesses and that's so important always yeah. hire for the things you hate doing if you're an architect and you love to pro uh, design and draw and and come up with creative ideas then hire someone else to do the sales for you because if you hate sales you're not gonna sell yeah that's but is it is it uh, however even though uh, it has to be complementary is there some values that need to be similar yes because i'm guessing if i mean what i usually advise is to hire people that have the same values so that they fit in the philosophy of the company as well so for instance if you're an architect specialized in sustainability you want to to hire people that believe in sustainability right like you you don't want to hire people that you know couldn't care less of that purpose and so on so of course uh, is, is, of course. is that a good advice or uh it is because when you bring someone in your team that is working against your values you're going to be not only angry but you're going to be infuriated because you're wasting your resources with that person yeah, and maybe exactly. they're going to try to change you. Ooh, that's even worse. So the point is, the tricky thing with the values is most people on this planet don't know what their values are. That's why it's a tricky advice. So in order to hire for the values, you need to know your values first. Yeah. And for yeah. that, you need to dig in deep and you need to be prepared to work with yourself, to develop yourself as a person. Mm -hmm because you need to learn more in order to earn more. You need to be there to develop. And your business is only gonna grow as much as you grow as an entrepreneur. 
Yeah. So basically, you need to find those values and see what are those. Yeah, it's 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 part of the program that I teach. So uh, when I take uh, architects that want good. to start their own practice, uh, the first questions is what are your values and your purpose with your company, right? Um, because that is so important to not only attract the right team down the line, but also to find the right clients and the right partners to work with. You you only want to um, make those values strong when you market yourself in order to then um you know appear like showcase your values and attract people that believe in the same things otherwise it's it clashes a lot as well especially during a project where you usually spend five to ten years uh to build it so um definitely yeah. it is super important i have another question yes. for you as well like a lot of people are asking about um, how to start their practice with the right business partner. I've had a terrible experience <laughs> back in the days um, I when I started. Uh, I started with um, two business men um, because I didn't trust that I could do it by myself. And um, mm -hmm. I decided to start with uh, two people. And then down the line, we found out that we didn't have the same vision of the future and where the company was going and so on so how can you find the right business partner according to you this is a very tricky question and i i would love for this question to have like a very concrete one answer but it's very different from person to person and i'm gonna give a few things that are rather principles when it comes to picking yeah. the right, the right like business what, what should you look out for right First of all, you need to see if you have a match on the core values that you have. If you value integrity and respect, you don't want a person that hides things or tells you secrets or uh, the person that um, constantly interrupts people and always wants to speak their mind. If you value, um, I don't know, having fun in the office and this person is very strict and very calculated, that could be probably a good idea to hire that person uh, to bring more balance to the office. Yeah. But if it's so different to you that you cannot even begin to have a proper conversation, then probably that's not the yeah. right business partner. On the other hand, you really need to test out because no one has ever made a like fruitful business a successful business with someone from the first day as like okay now we're business partners and let's build this that's not the way it works sure. actually you start out and one of the best ways to um to pick a business partner is someone we already work with someone we, that you have experience with maybe you work together in a company or maybe um you were in a client um uh supplier kind of relationship yeah yeah. You know the person, you know their work ethic. That's super important. The work ethic, what what they what's the most important thing in a business for them? And then mm -hmm. about a vision, I know exactly what you mean. Uh, when I started my first company, I was 19, something like that. I had an, yeah. a partner and we fought over a very, very stupid thing. And then we broke uh, the partnership and it was, it was like a disaster. Yeah. But the point is, um 
the vision is not something one person brings to the table and everybody complies. Yeah. When that happens, you can go to military because that's the only place where there is a commander that says, that's the way, that's what we're going to do. Yeah. No debate. But in the business world, we are in the people business. We are, you cannot build a business by yourself. That's like freelancing if you want. But it, when you want to build a business, you need to build a team and you, you need to have the right people around you. So in order to have a good vision, you need to work on that vision with everybody involved. So the question is, are you emotionally mature enough to give up of some part of that idea so you can make room for the contribution of everybody else in the team? Because if it's only your vision, why would people care for that? But if you involve everybody in building that vision and constructing it, so it's everybody's vision, then everybody will, will jump in and, and work towards that. And th this part, when someone says like, this is where we go, this is, our, this is the idea, no questions asked, there's a lot of resistance. And when there is resistance, basically, someone gets frustrated one of the sides it's always like that and then the little conflicts start to kick in and little conflicts that are between people are actually the um they become like a glass ceiling and they don't let the company rise you, you don't I've, I've worked with companies like big companies like from hilton orange and, and uh, it companies every big team every team that uh, was driven to get the goals or even move beyond the goals had that glass ceiling. And the number one uh, reason why the glass ceiling was there is it was for the little inconveniences, the little conflicts between people within the team, the kind of things that people say, oh, it's nothing. But that little nothing goes towards like, next time I see an opportunity, and you, uh, Julia, uh, annoyed me this morning over the coffee. Um, I see an opportunity that would really help you. And I'll say, oh, she was nasty this morning, so she doesn't deserve that. And that's a business that the whole company missed. Sure. On sure. a very little thing that's ego-driven. Yeah. The little conflicts actually are the glass ceiling. So in order to, to break that, and I have... Uh, clients that actually the moment they understood that and they started to take notice of the little things and address them right away they exploded i i had companies that went from um one year to the next year so we are near 300 percent growth which is amazing most people don't dream about that yeah and it's all about people it's always about people no, I completely agree. I love all your insights. It's so useful. I, I have to say, I have so many questions to ask you. I know that we're running out of time, but I'm going to still try to ask a couple of Go questions. Um, so how to waste less time arguing and more time making a collective decision? So in a design workshop, um, we often have a lot of people, engineers, uh, clients, uh, architects, technical architects, and so on. And we spend a lot of time uh, discussing really small things, but 
not really making any decisions. So I was wondering if you had a big picture. Yeah. Okay. Yes. There are two things, two things that are, um, one of them is the simplest thing you can think of and it's the most effective and that is listening. When people are arguing, basically what's happening, everybody's speaking, nobody's listening. Therefore it's just wasted energy and time. So the moment in, in a world where everybody speaks, the listener will be king. That's the way it is because everybody wants to be heard. Nobody's there to listen. The moment someone starts listening, that's the person that's going to get the most attention. That's the person that's going to get the power of decision-making. So listening is the key factor here. And then there is another thing, which is about mindset. Mm. Unfortunately, especially in the creative world, when people need to work in a team, they don't collaborate, they compete. Yeah. So basically, I'm coming with an idea and I'm presenting that idea to you. We've been through this already. Yeah. You come with your idea and then I'm trying to convince you that my idea is better than yours. When is that going to work? Never. There is a study and uh, people in the uh, architecture world should know about this study. Why is IKEA (laughs) so successful? So this study actually went and asked people why they like the furniture from IKEA. Very good, very good thing to find out that um, do you think the IKEA furniture is the most beautiful furniture in the world? No. Uh, do you think is is like correctly priced? No. But why do you buy it? Well, I love mounting it up. Yeah. <laughs> so they took this. The, the hypothesis was like the, the things that you do with your own hands, you value more. So what did they do? Uh, there was this person that got a child, like poster boy kind of child, you know, like perfect kid, beautiful, um, smart, funny, everything. And they were walking down the street and they were just going to approach other other people, parents with children and say, hey, uh, dear parent, I have here a kid, the smartest kid in the world, is the most beautiful kid in the world. Uh, he has humor or she, uh, super intelligent. They you know, this kid always does the homework by, by itself and, and by himself or herself. And you don't have to worry about anything. It even cooks. We're going to cook for you. Would you like to trade this kid for your kid? Your kid is a little bit uglier anyway. <laughs> it's like, like, what on earth are you? Call the police. <laughs> what? So the things that we do ourselves, we create ourselves, we put more energy and passion into it, even if it's the ugliest thing in the world. And I'm going to take this back to birth. So basically, when babies are born, if it's not your baby, you're going to look at it and it's going to be like, what a beautiful baby. (laughs) But the fact is, the mother during the the labor, she has nine times the level of oxytocin in her organism. So even if you would put like a lizard in her hands, it's going to be the most beautiful baby in the world. The father actually has only two times or up to three times more the oxytocin level in in the body. So 
what an ugly baby. I love it. I love this baby. It's my baby. You know? And that's the kind of um, passion and connection that you have. When people build things with their own hands, they have that a little bit of that oxytocin. So they're going to yeah. love that project even more. So when we're working together on a project and I'm having an idea and you have an idea and I'm trying to convince you that my idea is better, even your, if your idea is like the most stupid and useless idea in the world, you're going to fight for it. Yeah, you get emotional about it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So therefore, yeah. you need to listen. Number one, listen with empathy, listen with respect. See that that person in front of you actually put time and effort and creativity and they use their intelligence to come up with that idea, good or bad, it doesn't matter. Acknowledge that. Say, hey, no. I see you put passion. I see you put energy, you put your creativity and your talent into it. I respect that. Yeah. And is, then you can move to, let's see how that can fit into the project. Let me show you my idea. So let's see how we can combine them or we can learn from each other so we can come up with something even better. When you have mm -hmm. that kind of approach, you're not in competition anymore. So most people move from competition to collaboration, which is great, but it's not good enough. Especially in the creative world, collaboration is actually a form of competition where you also get the credit, but I get most of the credit. Yeah. <laughs> you know? that's, that's a big problem. But actually, the mindset should shift from competition, not to collaboration, but to co-creation. Yeah. yeah. So basically, when we design, what if we design together? What if I am trusting you? to have your creativity intertwined with my creativity. So yeah. I say, hey, I'm drawing this line. And I, I suggest you do this in a workshop that you have, especially if you have the people physically in the same place. I'm drawing the line, this line here. You continue, you make your move, then I'll make mine. And you, you do 10 turns. It might be nothing. People might have zero results. You, you can do that talking about it first, what do you want to draw or without it's equal, but do that and see how actually shapes take start start to form on that piece of paper. Yeah. And the shape and the result in this process, when you discover this is not important, but the relationship you develop with the person you do that, that's the important part. Yeah. yeah. And the way, if you, like when you started drawing as an architect, most probably you had shitty designs yeah. that's the world we all evolved from something right yeah but if you had and i'm pretty sure that never happened to people or you overcame it because otherwise you wouldn't have been an architect um when you have a little bit of a, of a drawing skill and you feel very shitty about yourself and you you tell yourself like this is not what i'm supposed to do this is a waste of time and I don't like spending time with myself doing this, you're never gonna get it. You're never gonna make it. So therefore, this is really important. When you, when you have a shitty design that you yeah. co-created with someone, it's someplace that you can grow from. But yeah. the relationship, that's very difficult. When you go head to head, it's very difficult to go back to, it's not impossible. It needs patience and listening and, a lot of work, sure. but co-creation is the key here.
I also think that what helps a lot is a facilitator. So de designate someone that Absolutely. is able to moderate everyone. And also, like, now, now that I hear you talking, I, I realize, like, for instance, Clubhouse is such a it's such a workshop in a way because everybody is forced to listen to each other and create together because there is moderated that uh, allow you to speak and you're not allowed to speak on other people and uh, they reframe the topic every time so maybe that's also a tip for architects and and their workshops to really designate someone to lead the discussion and make sure that the, we don't go off topic for instance especially if there are three or more people yeah but unfortunately exactly. a lot of architects are working in pairs true so <laughs> who's designating who <laughs> that's a tricky yeah, one yeah well i mean if, if it is with the client and with the stakeholders and uh, the engineers usually it's more than two people as well yeah, um definitely. but yeah indeed you're right it's uh it's a a tough a tough one um for me for myself i i did i was the facilitator many times so <laughs> that's why i know sure. like that's that's maybe how it can help also a little bit it um I, yeah i have another question um and then i have one last one and then we're done <laughs> sorry but it, it's so interesting to me to have your point of view um but you know, a lot of people sometimes they can disagree at work. Um, and there is different ways to communicate that. I have to say, I'm not the best person to c communicate my disagreement. Um, I'm quite passionate when it comes and, and direct. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> good combination. Good combination. <laughs> yeah, well, it, 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 in some cases it helps and in some cases it doesn't. Definitely. So, uh, I'm sure you have some good insight on that as well. Yes, this is um, something that can bring a lot, a lot of frustration into a team, into a company, because we all have things we don't agree with. And that's perfectly normal. If we wouldn't disagree on anything, we could not create anything and there would be no problem and everything would be, will be boring. As hell. Yeah. So there's no point in saying, I wish we didn't disagree at all. I'm, well, that's not, real, that's not realistic. So the truth is everybody faces disagreement in a way or another. The question is, how are you going to do it in such a way that the other person does not feel offended? Yeah. So this is, this is the key idea here. When you know how to, what's the outcome of that disagreement when you communicate that, you know the outcome i want the other person to understand me so we can move forward and create something that is working for the both of us or all of us the one thing that people do in order to communicate their disagreement is you're wrong <laughs> and that is not helpful yeah, yeah it's not constructive because, yeah and then they try to explain that and the person is puzzled and, and <laughs> lost and like, what are you talking about? And then the person that said that you're wrong, you don't understand. Yeah. And that means, oh, so you think I'm stupid. I said <laughs> this earlier on and it's, it's the same conflict over and over again. So 
one thing that is highly important when you communicate your disagreement is to make it clear to everybody involved that it's something that you disagree with yeah. and you don't disagree with the person we in in english i disagree with you but actually you don't disagree with the person you disagree with the idea no. you cannot disagree a person like yeah, that's yeah, not gonna yeah. happen but you can disagree an idea you can disagree that the the person has a, some opinion on on uh, on something and even that you cannot disagree someone's opinion this is also a big issue when it's like i'm telling you i think this building should be red i like red a lot no you don't <laughs> yeah it shouldn't be uh, it shouldn't be personal it should be it should be communicated as a it, it can be personal mm -hmm. but don't make it about the other person make it about yourself because the moment you communicate clearly that, hey, I understand and I acknowledge that this is your preference. However, me personally, I don't think that's a good yeah. option. And then I treat you with respect and I'm contradicting you with respect. Where actually I'm expressing my opinion over the thoughts that you have on the, on the subject of the matter. And this is so important because the moment you, when you, put your disagreement, you connect the disagreement to the other person, the other person is gonna take it as a challenge, as an insult, or as something that will enable them to get a lot of frustration and angry and get defensive. And when people get defensive, that's just a millimeter away from a conflict. I can't hear you for some reason. Sorry, I muted my microphone because my dog was barking. Um, <laughs> and we have a comment here from Ali. It says, uh, it's also the way to communicate that we architects use, which is very decisive. We will really decide whether you could create beautiful, but most important, valuable design. So I think what Ali is trying to say is, is that we're very passionate indeed because yeah, it's our creation. So uh, we're gonna be very personal about it in a way. And also because um, architecture is not like science. You don't have like a right or wrong answer is very subjective. So of course that's gonna create a lot of personal arguments and disagreements. Um, because of that, right? If it was maths, there would be either the right the right answer yes. or, or not, right? Um, thank you, Ali, for that comment. Um, I want to respond to something there. You mm -hmm. said, um, but most important, valuable designs. Okay. Who decides what is value? Who is the arbitrary mind that says this is valuable and this is not? This is another like uh, poisoned <laughs> apple because yeah. what I created, I considered that's valuable. What you created, you considered that's valuable. And we put them together and like, well, maybe yours not that valuable and let's go head to head, especially if there's ego about it. And yeah. growing the capacity and the skills to understand your own emotions when it comes to cooperating, collaborating with other persons is essential because you see, if you are not okay with a few things, you, you didn't get the validation that you needed, 
you're most probably going to project that on your partners or on your team or even the client. And I'm not talking to you anymore. I'm going to put myself on the floor and start drawing something else. Like, go away, creepy client. Yeah. Well, that's an option. And especially if you're there in a business, you're there to serve your client. And when you have that kind of attitude, most likely you're going to lose. Because yeah. that client, when that client gets out of your office, they'll call 10 friends and say, like, you should hear what just happened to me. Yeah. And from there on, everybody knows your style of, of working. So as long as you focus more, and this is also about communicating your agreement, mm. taking responsibility for what you say and your own thoughts and give voice to your thoughts in first person and make yeah. it about yourself while keeping your attention to the other person, that's going to make it work smoothly. Sure. But that needs practice. That is just like starting to draw. First, you start with lines, and the lines are all curvy. And then you get better with the lines. And then you, oh, I can draw a straight line. Now, now I can move to the next, like yeah. doing curves and, and different types of shapes. It takes practice and patience. Yeah. That's why earlier on today I said patience is the key. Because yeah. it is. Sure. Especially when you want to train people to be there in your team with you. Yeah, yeah, you're you're right. I completely agree. Thank you so much for this. I have one last question because it's a subject that, for me, Ooh. has been <laughs> spoken about over and over again, um, and it's vul vulner. I can't say it in English. Vulnerability. Vulnerability. <laughs> Thank you. Um, it and, gives me a lot of headache, this word, too. I know how it is. Yeah, and, and it's also a topic that is, um, yeah, a lot of people have an opinion on it. Some people say that you should not be vulnerable at work. Some people should say that you should be in order to capture the attention of some clients and so on. So I was wondering what your thoughts were about this. I know it's a big topic, but... Vulnerability means showing emotions. And we as a society have big, big issue with that, like big issue especially when it comes to men. Yeah. And, uh, in the second episode of my podcast, uh, the title is uh, The Limits Society uh, Makes You Believe. My mm -hmm. guest shares a very important thing. And he says something like this. Anger is the only appropriate um, emotion that men are allowed to manifest in public. Mm. Because if you are sad as men, you're weak. If you are um, depressed, if you are frustrated, like, what's wrong with you? Are you frustrated? You know, that kind of uh, passive aggressiveness around any other feeling except anger. If it's angry, the man is angry. Leave him alone. Yeah. Yeah. This, is, this is the way we interact. And with women, this happens as well, but at a lesser degree, of course. Yeah. But when we, when we take the gender out of the question and we take the professional, it's even worse than with the man. Mm. As a professional, you're not even allowed to be angry. <laughs> like, That's true. how dare you are angry in this meeting? Like, why aren't you like Dalai Lama kind of zen yeah. here? Like, come back, get out, refresh, and come back when you're, when you're not angry. When anger is an emotion just like happiness. 
Yeah. So the point is, we keep this vulnerability that we have beyond walls and shields, and we try to protect it because you see, uh, if someone knows my weakest spot, what if they're gonna take advantage of it? Yeah. If you have this thought in your mind as a professional or even as a human being, as a man or woman, it doesn't matter. If you have this thought in your mind, I dare you take a pen and paper. You gotta have those two, you're an architect. So <laughs> spend 10 minutes with yourself and write down, what are my most vulnerable points? and write down they're gonna know i'm not prepared okay that could be one or maybe i don't have the experience it looks i have or i don't know it can be anything write those things down then ask yourself yeah. what is the worst thing that's going to happen if anybody finds out about these and what you're going to come up with is going to be a lot of scenarios that are highly unlikely mm. uh, some american because americans have this acronym for everything told fear is false expectations appearing real yeah and basically <laughs> it, when you know that if someone finds out about your dirty little secret that is going to happen then you can expect it it's not a surprise anymore so therefore you can yeah. actually go in front of that person or community or whatever and say hey of course if this is relevant not don't go and spill all your secrets that are irrelevant to anybody and just make a mess out of everything that's not a case here but when it's about leadership or, or about like hey i'm falling behind on my project that's a vulnerability and what could happen if you go out and and go to your team and say hey i'm way behind on my tasks i'm not going to be able to deliver this on time or even to the client. Sure. Well, let's see what's gonna happen. The person in front of you is gonna see A, oh, you're highly unprofessional. B, oh, that's so great you told us so we can adjust things uh, in time so we can we can be flexible about it. Yeah. Uh, C, you're fired. D, <laughs> um, that's, something I, I don't know they bring a bomb or something to, to your office chances are if you have the power to admit where you're weaker or where you fell behind they will respect you and they will see you as a very ethical person because actually that's what matters what happens if you don't communicate your vulnerabilities and you wait until everybody figures it out by themselves yeah so you reach to the deadline with your project, you're 50% progress and you have to deliver 100% today. And you have the meeting with the client and you're just waiting. And the client comes in and say, well, you know, I could have sent you a letter with a pigeon or a fax, if anybody uses that anymore, uh, or an email or call you to say, hey, I'm not done, but I actually let you come into my office so you can waste your time in the traffic to come here and see my face when I'm telling you I'm way, way behind on your project that you expected to receive today. That sounds like a very, very useful and constructive meeting. Yeah. So you got to pick sure. because vulnerability shared on your own terms is a strength. 
vulnerability shared on everyone else's terms is a weakness. Make your pick. Yes, all right. And also, you know, it, it also depends on the vulnerability. Like, for instance, for my personal experience, I'm quite transparent. Um, I, I like to put people at ease by being transparent on, on everything. But it's true that when I have to share like stories and, um, you know, weaknesses or things that went wrong, um, I always share vulnerabilities that I'm healed from because uh, those are the ones that people can learn from. And also the way I communicate it is much, like it's from a more rational background than an emotional background. Like if I was like, well, it's safe, true, but um, in order to keep your leadership status and your coaching status, better to talk about vulnerabilities that happened in the past or that you're you're over with rather than being sharing the ones that are still a little bit touchy. Let me share a story with you on this. Um, a friend of mine, we studied together in nonviolent communication. She was pretty good at empathic listening and we developed our skills together and uh, she's a very kind person. And it's the kind of person that's kind of been like introvert. Uh, she minds her own business in the, in, in the office and she likes to get things done and she's hardworking, really good work ethic. And Monday, her boss came in shouting and blaming and being angry and, and throwing things around. And out of everybody in the office, the boss beat her. Wow. And she was like, don't, don't talk to me. Don't talk to me. Don't talk to me. Don't talk to me. And there was a the boss. <laughs> I'm talking to you. Like, okay, what happened? And She's like, you didn't do that on time, but we're gonna fall behind with this. And everything was okay, but the boss was going insane. So yeah. she asked her boss, I get it, you're angry, but what's wrong? I don't understand, like you're all over the place. You're talking trash to me and I don't appreciate this. And I'm like, I'm scared of what's about to happen. So she yeah. actually shared her vulnerability and say, hey, I'm scared. And I don't know what this is going to, where this is going to lead. You're all over the place and you're being aggressive yeah. in your language. Like everything okay? She asked her boss and the boss says, she just, it was a woman and, and she was like, I'm sorry I did that. And the moment she said that she started crying all over the office yeah and sorry about that i have a, sorry. a like dhl is knocking on my door um so basically she started crying she the boss was like nerve-wracked it was completely completely difficult for her so yeah. my friend as the employee went there and say What's wrong? And she offered her time to listen to the boss. Yeah. And because she said, hey, I'm scared, and she shared her vulnerability, the boss could open up. Sure. And the boss said, hey, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to be rude or angry. It has nothing to do with you. You're, you are all doing fine. 
but my kids are sick at home. My husband is on a trip for two weeks and I couldn't find anybody to supervise my kids and I don't know if they're okay. Yeah. She was so it's just an addition deep. of things. Yeah. Exactly. So the boss actually, that's where she found the place to relieve all that stress. Yeah. And when you have that power of being vulnerable in front of the person that's angry, that person is going to open up. And yeah. just a tip for this, if someone gets angry with you uh, or you have a lot of disagreement, instead of, you know, when you have a force that's coming this way and there is another force equal and opposite, like the law says, they're going to reach balance. Yeah. And guess what's going to happen if this side is going to push harder, the other side is going to push harder. And the harder you push, the only thing that's going to happen is more friction here. Every architect understands this. So <laughs> what happens if you remove the resistance on either side? So if you are this person and this is your boss, your client, your colleague, whatever, and you're going head to head, what if you did, what if you say like, uh, come with me, come with me. Okay, come on, come on. How far can you go? Like say it out loud, say everything. And you, if you listen to that person, you will know when to speak. And a lot of people, my clients and, and people in my, uh, my audience always ask me, when and how can I know when to speak, when they can actually listen to me? And there's a very, very simple way to know that. When your counterpart runs out of words, it's quiet in their mind. And that's when you can speak with your mind, when you can tell your idea. And if that takes like three hours of listening if that idea is worth that thing then listen for three hours and then share your idea if your idea is not worth the time then probably it's not even a good idea to share that idea with anyone yeah it's that that important listen until they make space and and they just quiet quiet the mind yeah and then they know exactly you, you know exactly when to speak and you will be listened to yeah thank you so much for all your insightful wow i like i love this this episode i love it <laughs> i got so much insight you're great um i'm thank really you very happy much. I appreciate it. to have you on and also um i'm amazed that you managed to answer so carefully uh, all the questions related to to the architecture architecture world because a lot of our experts don't know anything about architecture and <laughs> sometimes it's difficult to explain where we're coming from you did that very well so i really appreciate it um can you tell us christian where people can find you and where they can follow you um and so on thank you yes so Basically, uh, people can get in touch with me on any of the social media platforms. Um, just Google my name um, and, and out of conflict or everything that my name and conflict, you will find me. Also, <laughs> you can reach out uh, by uh, listening to my podcast, The Anatomy of Conflict, and you can go to iTunes uh, podcast or Spotify and my contact details are listed under every episode. And also you can find uh, me on outofconflict.com, out uh, okay. where basically I have a little platform uh, where I share resources with um, 
with people. One of the things is the empathy checklist. And okay. if you if you download that, it's like a one page guide that is you can self-assess yourself, like how empathetic and how much listening did you do in a one-on-one -on -one meeting or wow. in a group meeting? And you can mark that, like, have I kept made eye contact with people? Did I listen without interruption? Yes, no, yes, no, yes, no. And then you can mark that on a scale from one to 10. And on the things that you didn't perform the way you wanted, you can pick one. And on the bottom, you will have a couple of or three questions to self-coach. So you can ask okay. yourself like, what have I done and how did it work? What was the effect of that? What can I do better next time? What can I focus on? And focus on one thing a week. And then you can just improve your presence, your empathy in meetings. And trust me, this is uh, clearly the same for every industry. So architects don't make an exception to this one the better you get at listening and being present in a meeting the more successful your meetings and more happy your clients are gonna be yeah thank you so much i i hope everyone downloads it I, i'm gonna download it as well also for my team uh, so we can all check how empathetic we are and, and get better at it for sure so thank you so much and thank you so much for being so available for nearly an hour and 15 minutes that's one of the <laughs> longest episodes that we did um if anyone Happy wants to listen yeah and if anyone wants to listen back to this episode with christian it will be available next week on the ibd hub podcast uh, also available on apple podcast and spotify and youtube so please tune in um thank you so much christian again and see you very soon happy to be here and thank you for the opportunity to serve no this is the most important thing for me so if anybody wants to get in touch by the way you can connect with me on linkedin as well we are on linkedin so that's pretty yeah. like the easiest way. Um, thank you. Uh, and I really appreciate that you're doing this and you're raising this kind of questions, which let's be honest, in most of the professional world, nobody talks about vulnerability. <laughs> Everybody, that's a taboo topic. Like we can talk money, we can talk loss, we can talk profit, but vulnerability, I don't touch that with a 10 foot pole. <laughs> like, no, 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 yeah. no, no. So. Okay. I really yeah. commend you for doing this because emotions in business is so important. 80% is emotions and, and how you think and 20% is the strategy and execution. So right. it's really important to get your mind straight and your emotions straight. And that's when things happen. So thank you for doing that because it's super useful. Yeah, thank you for giving you all your input as well. <laughs> I love it. See you very soon, everyone. And uh, do not hesitate to contact us uh, if you have any questions on LinkedIn. See you have next great, week. Have a great day, everyone. Bye.